Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Wednesday's upon us. A little bit of a turnaround in the in the grain markets, at least from a bean wheat perspective. Of course, we are seeing some lower numbers happening within the corn complex today. A lot of factors to be looked at when we see what's happening. No surprise, it's end of month. I don't know about you, but I do not know where August went and where the whole summer went. We'll talk about all of that and what it means to our market trade today with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex, so I do want to start there. It is the end of the month. It is hard to believe September starts tomorrow. So obviously there's got to be a lot of end of, end of month positioning going on in the trade. Yeah, it really is. A lot of traders want to be able to show profits on the books for the month and kind of square their positions. It also seems that we get new money that comes on as we turn the calendar as well. So we'll see how that plays out in the days ahead. A lot of position squaring, but overall, as I noticed that the grain and oil seeds have been kind of flowing with the crude oil market in a recessionary trade on those days when fundamental information is lacking for the grain and oil seeds. And that's been a little bit more frequent lately because we've been missing those weekly, uh, comp- I should say comprehensive weekly exports. We're getting the daily flash reports from USDA, and they've been showing a p- significant pickup in Chinese buying of soybeans. However, the flash reports are only showing about half of what we're hearing from our cash sources in China. So which is right? Uh, we don't know until we get those comprehensive reports back. And USDA is still pretty mum about that, not giving us any data and uh, uh, leaving the market not knowing exactly what the buying is on the export market right now. And so as a result, uh, this market is just kind of choppy and drifting uh, with a weaker bias until we can get some more fundamental information. Do you think that might be some of the influence and in why we saw the, the beans and the wheat turn themselves positive? Well, I think so. Now, the wheat's a little bit different story, which I'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but with corn and soybeans, the yeah, traders are concerned about what the size of the crop here is going to be in the United States. There's concerns about fork, some forecasts, not all forecasts, some forecasts calling for La Nina to cause a slow start to the planting season in Brazil once again and create some drought problems for Argentina and southern Brazil maybe more parts of Brazil, depending on which forecaster you believe. Um, But uh, overall, I think it's just lacking direction right now, leaving the outside markets to kind of provide some direction. When you look at wheat, though, I said I'd get back to that. Um, I I do think there's some one of the things that's in the story, besides the fact that the dollar broke weaker today and that allowed wheat to come higher, and that seems to have been more of a factor in the wheat market uh, of late again. Uh, let's keep in mind that we've got a nuclear plant in southern Ukraine that's been under fire, uh, taking some missile hits. And that nuclear plant is the largest in Europe. Um, it's been hit several times, and they've had some close calls having to react very quickly to prevent a meltdown of the core reactor. Uh, if that were to, you know, there's a lot of people in our audience old enough to remember when Chernobyl went in April of 1986, and that contaminated a lot of soil for many years um, of crop ground in the region. That was more up in northern Ukraine. This is in southern Ukraine. And if we get an accidental hit of something that causes a reaction there, um, that could really cause this wheat market to take off again potentially and i think we've got some end users get extra coverage just in case and i think that was part of the factor in today's market once again 
Well, you know, there's also the recession fears um, that are still kind of hanging out in the background. I think adding a whole other layer to what we're seeing in the trade. Yeah, I've been saying for quite some time that the only way the Federal Reserve is going to get a handle on inflation is to bring supply and demand back into balance. And with all the stimulus that's still in the economy and extra cash sloshing around in the system, demand continues to exceed what our supply chains were built and designed to be able to handle. So they've got to slow that demand down, and they've got to increase unemployment to bring wage inflation under control. Those are the two factors of inflation. And, but yet they've been beating around the bush and not really saying a lot. And finally, last Friday, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell was most blunt about it in the eight-minute speech he gave at the beginning of the Kansas City, um, Jackson Hole, um, Wyoming Economic uh, Symposium. And then today, another member, another policymaker on the Federal Reserve came out and said, uh, look, if we have to take the economy into a recession in order to control inflation, that's what we have to do. Um, you got to slow down the economy to slow down that demand and to, and to increase unemployment to bring supply and demand of labor and supply and demand of goods and services into line. And um, that's, that's what they're working on doing. And uh, so the, what the funds are doing is they're making an assumption that if a recession is coming or even upon us, some, as some data would indicate, then that decreases demand for commodities. Well, that's more true for some commodities than for others. In fact, you know, you may drive less in a recession, um, but you're not going to eat less. You may change your, what you eat a little bit or move down the value chain in different foods, but you're still going to eat. And uh, so they're having trouble kind of figuring that out. But that's been kind of a negative on these commodity markets really since about the 17th of June. That continues to be a factor in these markets um, as we go forward. So how do you see this making ag more nervous? Well, as we go to ags, I think energy is vulnerable. And, of course, in the ag input standpoint, we like cheaper fuel prices. We like cheaper fertilizer prices. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily carrying through with diesel and with fertilizer prices. Uh, and I think eventually it's going to come home to roost once again. And I'm worried about some greater challenges in 2023 than what we've seen in 2022, depending on how this Ukraine war continues to proceed. All right, we've got a lot more to talk about when we come back. We're going to kind of go across the river and and then look what uh, is happening weather-wise. When I say across the river, I, of course, mean what we're seeing over in China, what we're seeing in Ukraine. Let's head south and see what's going on in South America as planting just around the corner for them. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the road. It's time for the Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We caught up with new dealer Preston Smith from PJ Smith Seeds, who co-owns his business with his wife, Jana, in northeastern Phelps County. So, Preston, tell us about how you got started. We got started with Fontenelle in part for the excellent products that we sell out in the field, but also because of the great people within the brand. Everyone is so supportive and will do anything to help you succeed as a dealer which in the end helps the customer succeed. Well, you did a lot of research. Tell us how you decided on Fontenelle. I really like the focus on Nebraska and, and products that work locally. As I started to make contact, I just really felt at home with everybody that I met within the brand. And I know you hear the, the Fontenelle family get used a lot, but that's really what it is. It, it truly does feel like a family. If you'd like to join our Fontenelle family and become a dealer, just contact us from the website at Fontenelle.com.
Page dealer today. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. And we've been talking a lot about what's been happening with, uh, obviously, the nuclear plant in southern Ukraine, uh, what we're seeing for, for movement here in the United States when it comes to recession, et cetera. But let's kind of look at what you're hearing, updates um, from Ukraine where are they at when it comes to harvest? Uh, where are they at when it comes to thoughts of uh, winter wheat planting? And, and how do you see that affecting the trade here in the States? Yeah, I, I think this is one of the things we need to continue to watch. Is, as you look at the spring crop harvest, they're in the final stages of that um, and kind of trying to wrap that up. And I think one of the things, you know, we've heard a lot of media talk about uh, exports through the ports with the agreement to allow safe passage. Uh, that's all good and fair, uh, you know, but those exports thus far, both over land and over water, have only been 20 to 25 percent of what they did a year ago and what their capacity is. So it's still very slow. And then the vast majority of it has been corn because that's what was really at the ports. And as we look at wheat, the wheat harvest, not a lot of it is moving toward the ports from the information we're getting. And uh, that could be because of worries about, you know, Ch- Russia has all those ports and people not wanting to give up control of the wheat by sending it to the ports that Russia is trying to take control of. And, in fact, Russia has been hitting with missiles from time to time and, and destroying as well. But I think another part of it is is a real concern about 2023. Uh, the planting season for the 2023 crop has begun in southern areas of Ukraine. And um, authorities there who have been very much optimist to this point are saying that they expect winter wheat plantings to be down by 30 to 60 percent in Ukraine because of just the growing difficulty of finding financing and finding parts and and labor and everything else that goes into trying to put out a crop. Um, Then you go to Russia. Russia had a huge wheat crop this year, uh, which they're trying to export. Uh, but it was very low quality, and farmers are very discouraged in Russia because they've got all this wheat that they they're can't get rid of. They're not happy with the price. The sanctions are part of that. Um, and so, and they're also having trouble with the sanctions getting parts for their equipment. And so there's some talk coming out of Russia, our sources there, that they may decrease the plantings of wheat for this coming year as well. So there's the breadbasket of the world right now, Ukraine and Russia, looking at significant reductions in planted acreage for winter wheat for the coming year. Um, certainly a story we're going to have to watch, and that would also impact the corn crop for next year as well. And uh, I think that we're far from over on this story and of tight world supplies. Ultimately, price will bring about the supply we need, and it'll find somewhere else to get the production. Where will that be? most likely areas to benefit right now from crops are going to be in in brazil because they've got the land to do the expansion right now all right you brought up south america planting for them is just around the corner what are you hearing well most of the primary production areas are not allowed to start planting soybeans until september 15th to kind of control disease the disease cycle so the weather right now continues to be very dry in Argentina. Uh, Argentina is not under the same September 15th deadline, <clears throat> but it's still too early season-wise for them. And La Nina is still a big factor there. 
And uh, right now, the models are kind of fighting. Typically, La Nina has wet in the north and dry in the south. There's a couple of other factors that could change that. Ocean temperatures in the Atlantic and other parts of the Pacific, et cetera, et cetera. But right now, the thinking is that we probably will be more wet in the north and dry in the south. So we'll probably have some areas that do very well in Brazil and some areas that have some problems. <clears throat> Excuse me, some problems once again, just like I'm having trouble talking. Uh, and we'll probably have a little bit of a substandard crop. The question is, when will they get planting started so that they can start exporting? Will they be exporting, you know, be harvesting in January like they do in a normal year and start moving it to the port and and get it to uh, China, get those new crop supplies to China by late February to 1st of March? Or will it be later? And that will have a big impact on how long we're able to export this winter. Lots of exciting things that are happening, and I know many guys are anxious just to get this harvest underway knowing the struggles they've had this growing season. What's a final thought uh, as we get closer to harvest, Arlen, that they need to be thinking about? Yeah, as we look at the forecast, it looks hot and dry for much of the Midwest here over the next 30 to 45 days as a bias. That's not a good way to finish the crop, and I think we're going to find seed sizes affected. But it will be good weather for harvest, it looks like, and right now we don't see any indications of an early frost either. All right, at least some good news coming our way. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com. We're over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Always reminding folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.